When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Irish Illustrated Insider brought to you by Anderson, Augustino, and Keller, Attorneys at Law, with offices in South Bend, Indiana, serving the local community's legal needs with a diverse and innovative group of lawyers. Let their team be your edge on legal matters. Contact the lawyers at Anderson, Augustino, and Keller at 574-288-1510 or visit their webpage at aaklaw.com. Welcome to the latest Irish Illustrated Insider. Pete Sampson joined by Tim Priester, two-man booth today, previewing Michigan State, talking a little bit about the news of the week. Uh, it's been pretty heavy on Brandon Wimbush discussion without the benefit of talking to Brandon Wimbush uh, or any of the wide receivers, which is, a, I think, a little bit of a surprise. But considering Wimbush got the game ball last week, I think it sort of tells you the perception and the questions about him around the program and Notre Dame sort of trying to run interference a little bit. Um, not that we expect to talk to him every single week, but um, after 200 yards and four touchdowns rushing, um, it's it's been interesting to sort of try to piece together about what Notre Dame wants to do offensively without talking to some of the major players involved in that. Yeah, well, they knew that the focus on Wimbush would not be the 200 yards and four touchdowns. It would be the, the inefficiency uh, passing the football, but uh, yeah, it is the focus. I think Brian Kelly at one point said, "Look, I get I get all these questions that you're asking me this week. It's understandable. It's the nature of, uh, I guess, it's the nature of the media more than anything." But um, you know, I, I and I said this in the tail of the tape early in the week. I, I certainly the passing game's a concern. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But it is the college game, not the NFL game, and and. Uh, you, I think to a large extent, Notre Dame fans should be uh, celebrating with the abilities of Brandon Woodbush on the ground because, um, you know, it's a huge aspect of their offense. If they can keep him healthy, it will remain a huge ba- aspect of their offense. And Brian Kelly said on Tuesday that if teams are going to, to uh, if have their cornerbacks turn their back on our receivers, which is basically what Michigan State's going right. to do in their press man coverage, then Brandon Wimbush is going to run it. And I get it from a coach's standpoint. You can't coach a game. You, you you have 12 regular season games. You can't coach a season with the number of hits on your quarterback at the forefront of your mind. It, it's something to consider, but you have to win football games. And So that's not at the forefront of Brian Kelly's mind. I get that. That's probably why Ian booked through some passes, though, um, against Boston College because he needs to be prepared. Yeah, I'm really interested to see how Kelly and Chip Long customized the passing game this weekend because as I sort of dug into the numbers, looking at Wimbush compared to Kaiser, and not just Wimbush compared to Kaiser, big picture, but like, okay, so where are the real differences? And if I wrote about this yesterday in my extra points column, that if you really look at the short stuff and the long stuff, the first three starts of Kaiser in 2015 and the first three starts of Kaiser in 2016 compared to where Wimbush is right now are very similar. Um, 
Wimbush is not as accurate in short passes, and I define that anything from five yards and under. Um, nor is he that accurate deep, which I define as more than 20 yards. But compared to Kaiser, it's it's basically the same. Wimbush is in the low 70s for the short stuff. Kaiser was in the mid to high. And in the deep stuff, Kaiser was 33.3% one year, 37.5% one year, and I think Wimbush is sitting there at uh, 35.7%. So if you look at going deep or going short, Wimbush is more than adequate to get the job done. The problem is the intermediate stuff has been abysmal, uh, and that's where Wimbush right now is at 42.1% completion percentage compared to Kaiser's first year starting when he was at 59.3%, and his second year starting, these are just three-game samples, when he was at 65.7%. So Notre Dame's offense is is just not functional in it in an intermediate passing game. So what do you have to do with that? I think you have to take that out as much as you possibly can. And look, the intermediate passing game is in many ways, I think the hardest of the three zones to hit because you're throwing between people. You're not throwing beyond people or in front of people. Uh, And I talked to Durham Smythe a little bit about that yesterday. And he said, yeah, that's, I sort of gave him my theory on that. And he's like, yeah, that's exactly right. Um, (laughs) It's hard to do. And you don't know if a guy's going to get it. And he referenced Kaiser, actually. He was like, you know, he came off the bench, and we're just like, uh, okay, is this going to work? So now what are we going to run? And it just and it did. <laughs> and it, it just did. worked right yeah. away. Um, with Wimbush, it hasn't worked right yeah. away. So they need to figure out something else. Well, that's why Deshaun Kaiser's starting in the NFL yeah. as a rookie, or that's, that's part of the reason he also plays for the Browns. But, <laughs> you know, I, I was, I guess I was kind of glad to see that your stats, uh, backed up what I thought was happening because and it, may, it does make sense the intermediate routes are where the intricacies of routes are run and so when you combine Wimbush's inaccuracy with the inexperience of Notre Dame's receivers and EQ not being able to get into his routes because he's he's uh, they're being physical with him at the line of scrimmage it all makes sense you know I get it and I don't you know it doesn't matter really the experience or inexperience of your receivers, if a guy's throwing the ball way over your head or a guy's throwing the ball at your feet, it's usually the quarterback's issue. If the routes aren't being run at the correct depth, then that, that comes into play as well. But what do they do this, this weekend? I think I think zone option will remain a, a heavy part of what they do because... Um, you know, Michigan State, if they're stout anywhere, it's in the middle of their defensive line and their linebackers. I like their linebackers. If they're inexperienced anywhere, which is basically everywhere because they have very few starts on this entire team coming into the season. But as it relates to the defensive front, their defensive ends are former walk-ons with very little experience. So you're going to put them in a position with your zone option offense to make those inexperienced defensive ends make decisions. I think this is something you know, I suggested Monday in a tale of the tape. Tight end heavy offense. Um, maybe some jet sweeps. I had suggested Dexter Williams. C.J. Sanders is an option there as well. Um, you know, I, I think that you have to – Michigan State's a physical defense. They're inexperienced, but they're a physical defense. They're, they do not have the normal talent that they have had in the past at cornerback. Um, so I, I think we continue to see Brian Kelly and Chip Long dig deep into the, the playbook and try to do a variety of things in the run game. 
and uh, see where it goes from there. Yeah, I do think that they're going to have to be creative in the run game and be more run-heavy than they already have been. And I think people will be listening to this and be like, wait, they're, they run all the time. This is a... You know, they're, they're running 75% of the time. That's, you know, it hasn't really shaken out that way. If you look at the first three starts of Chris, Reese, Golson, Kaiser, and Wimbush, Wimbush has the second most pass attempts, which was surprising to me. Because um, my perception was that Notre Dame is running a lot. But Wimbush threw it 40 times against Georgia. Uh, I think he's 30 against Temple. Um, I would like to see him attempt 23 passes on Saturday night. I, I think that would that, be, they would win if yeah. he attempts 23 passes. Yeah, if you can keep him under 25 attempts, then I think Notre Dame is going to be good. Now that takes some real discipline on the part of the coaching staff, and I think to date they've actually done a pretty good job with that. Well, it's also the flow of the game. I right. Mean, if, if, if it's going like Georgia, which it won't, Michigan State's defense is not that good. If it's going like Georgia, you got to, I mean, you got to do something to to spark the offense, <clears> so you have to put it up. But your point's well taken. And that 25 pass range is is a good number if they could hit that yeah and in terms of you know what Michigan State does they haven't given up an offensive touchdown all year now they've only played two games and they've been against non-power five teams but that's significant they're the only team in the country who can say that and they're number one in the country on third down defense they're only allowed three conversions in 28 attempts Notre Dame is pretty good themselves 16 13 of 51 but I you know it's I think it's going to be a fundamentally sound defense. Um, I don't think you're going to have guys running all over the place wide open. Not that I'm necessarily confident Brandon Wimbush would find them. Um, but I don't think you're going to have guys turn loose in the run game either. I think Notre Dame is really going to have to work hard to be effective in the run game. Uh, it's not going to be like Boston College. So I, You know, I, I mean, I agree with what you're saying there. I, you know, as it relates to Michigan State's quarterback, Brian Lewerke, I think he is the most prepared of the four quarterbacks Notre Dame will have faced. Um, but that isn't saying a lot. He'll be making his third career start. Uh, he's run a lot on scrambles. That's why he's leading them in, in uh, rushing. He's run on, well, and the other thing is that Michigan State splits up their carries with their three running backs. Um, but, you know, I, I, he was inaccurate in their first game. He was better in their second game. Uh, you know, I still, I know your insider talked about Michigan State's running game and the running backs. I think that's more an inexperienced offensive line than it is their running backs. L.J. Scott fumbled once or twice, but he's still a good back. And Gerald Holmes gashed Notre Dame last year, and they have um, um, the third running back, Madre uh, London. So they're they're going to use all those guys. They're going to do jet sweeps with their uh, uh, wide out like they did R.J. Shelton last year. They have a speedy guy in Stewart. Their offensive line I don't think is cohesive yet, although they have Brian Allen at center, and I think they do have a very talented right tackle, young right tackle in Campbell. Yeah, I mean, their their offensive line it is basically as young as Notre Dame's line was a year ago, right? Maybe even a little bit younger. They had at the start of the season, they had forty career starts at that position, and just for perspective, seventy-five is a good number. Anything less than that, you really start to fall. Forty is basically nothing. Uh, and Brian Allen had twenty-three of those forty. So there, that to me is a real concern. And it's like you look at L.J. Scott. I think he was right at right at hundred yards on Notre Dame last year, um, and maybe Holmes was just below hundred yards, but. L.J. Scott's, if you take out his 44-yard run, he's averaging 2.53 yards yeah. per carry. And that, 
that that's reflective of their offense. Yeah, it has to be. I mean, it's not. It's not okay. So he fumbled, but he's still L.J. Scott, and he's still a good back. So I think this is a great test for Notre Dame's defense against this rushing attack, um, as was Georgia, and and they had some issues on their offensive line too. And Notre Dame did a pretty good job against a two-headed monster. This will probably be three guys led by Scott. You know, when you look at this game, I mean, I think Notre Dame is Notre Dame's more experienced. Notre Dame's deeper. Notre Dame's in a better position to win this football game. Now, they have to go on the road. Um, a win at Boston College doesn't prove that they're ready to take on anybody on the road. So, it, it's a it's a huge challenge. I You know, what Michigan State lacks in experience, I think Mark D'Antonio and his staff kind of bridge that gap a little bit. I think he's a very good coach. He's very fundamental, and they're a very physical program overall, and you can see that in their defense. Yeah, there's there's no question about that. I mean, if I'm looking at the keys to the game for me, um, I'd say one we've already discussed is limit Brandon Wimbush in the passing game. Figure out a way to have a game plan where he throws it 25 times or less. Uh, I think – some kind of stubbornness with the run game. Those two things sort of go hand in hand uh, where you're getting Josh Adams, 19 carries. But then I'm assuming Tony Jones is going to be out. We'll ask Brian Kelly about that today. But then Dexter Williams has to have legitimate carries, not fourth quarter carries. Like, give me eight Dexter Williams carries he's gotta in be, real situations. He's got to be involved in the game plan for four quarters, not yes. just when you feel like Josh Adams needs a break. Yeah. I, I think he needs to be involved uh, from the beginning. I, You know, stop the run to, <laughs> to me is at the top of the list because then, then that makes Lewerke. I, you know, I don't know what you can do about Lewerke scrambling for a couple first downs. He's he's mobile, and so he may do that. Um you know, you have two young quarterbacks going head-to-head, which has basically been each of the first three games. I, I get that, but um, I see this as a lower-scoring game, and I think the turnovers by the quarterbacks, whichever quarterback turns it over the most, will be the losing quarterback. <laughs> I, that's kind of how I look at it right now. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think with the little worky concept, I, when I talked to Chris Solari from the Detroit Free Press for the uh, sort of insider preview earlier in the week, he had sort of mentioned the concept of like, you know, you put a spy on the quarterback. I don't think Lewerke is athletic enough that you need to spy him. Just the natural speed of your linebackers will take care of that. Whereas I think Brandon Wimbush is athletic enough that that could impact the structure of your, point. of your defense. Um, where if you don't do that, and I don't know if their middle linebacker is quite quick enough to do that. He's more of like a... True. In the box, between the hashes True. type guy. You know, Chris Fry is athletic enough to yeah. do it. Um, and Dowell and, plays yeah, in star position. Dowell is a really good athlete. Yeah. So I think that that I'm curious to see how that shakes out. Because I, I just don't I don't see Lewerke being so athletic that he's picking up uh, third and eight with a nine-yard run. Maybe, maybe, maybe one time, but that's not going to be even a if, issue. But even if he, he did it three times in the... Uh, in I don't know which of the two games they're, they're running together now, but um, I, I totally agree with you. I think it's more important that Notre Dame stops the Lewerke to name any young receiver that Michigan State has out there, rather than spy him. I think the coverage on the back end, even with your linebackers, is much more important than spying Lewerke. He may break a couple. He's pretty athletic. He can run. 
when he get when he gets space, he's going to run and he's going to get a first down on third and eight. Yeah, and that you can stomach maybe one yes. or two of those. Yes. You know, and then my last key <clears throat> for Saturday night, I think this is this is probably the first time I ever said this. Um, certainly this season, maybe the last few. Notre Dame's defensive line needs to win its matchup with the opposing offensive line, yeah. and I think that they will. That, that that's the first. I probably have said that they needed to win the matchup before, but I haven't really been confident that they right. would. Right. Um, it, it, you were... I'm kind of confident that they will. Um, I think Notre Dame's defensive line has been that impressive, and I think Michigan's offensive line is that questionable. They need to. I mean, to win the game, they need to win that battle, and that's why it's a good key on your your part there. <laughs> they need to win that because if they don't, then the running game. You know what? What Michigan State rushed for last year, two hundred and sixty yards, and then yeah. a lot of that was on a, a long run by by Holmes. But they have to win that again. They should win that. They're the more experienced defensive line. They've had good success in three games, uh, and Michigan State's offense has bogged down. You mm-hmm. know, through large portions of their their first two games. So uh, they need to win that, and I think the expectation is realistic that they will win it. And I think one of the aspects of that is it's not just about getting pressure on the worky, but Notre Dame has been susceptible to some bad run fits this season, and they've <coughs> really got hurt when it happens. Jalen Elliott against Georgia comes to mind. If your defensive line is, is moving offensive linemen around, then there aren't really holes to fit right. um, necessarily. Like, it's just all gummed up. and if Because I think that's what happened with um, I think it was Holmes last year who had the really long run. It was just like up the middle and go. Like I don't know if it was Tavon Cody ran out of his gas. Safety's or his nowhere in sight. Safety's whatever. Um, if your defensive line is owning the line of scrimmage, then that becomes less of an issue. Yeah. So I, I would like to see the defensive line provide some uh, insurance for the back end of the defense, not in the passing game, but in the running game. Right now, the Notre Dame linebackers have to fit well in this game. Uh, there's there's no doubt about that. And they have at times, um, but not completely. I think Niles Morgan has been a fairly inconsistent linebacker at times. Greer Martini has been an inconsistent linebacker at times. I think Coney has probably been the most consistent, wouldn't you say? I mean, yeah, but I think even. He, but even he, he yeah, 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 even he. So, they, yeah, all the, the, the three linebackers, and I, you know, I don't know how much Bilal plays, um, but they have to be. Yeah, it goes hand-in-hand with the defensive line. The defensive line has to do its job, and if they do, then the linebackers have come up and fill. Tim, I know you'll, you'll have your pick tomorrow in uh, your preview story, but um, as far as mine, I it's weird because I I am fairly confident Notre Dame is going to win the game, but I cannot get over 1-9 in your last 10 games that are one-score games. So I have to pick Notre Dame to win by nine points. So Notre Dame twenty six, Michigan State seventeen, because <laughs> uh, that that trend that eventually they'll bucket. But at this point, I cannot pick Notre Dame to win a one score game until they win a one score game, and they haven't done that yet. Wow! So I can't pick it. So I'm going Notre Dame twenty six, okay, Michigan hadn't State considered... seventeen. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> I mean, I think Notre Dame can win this game by 10, 14 points. I do. I'm certainly not confident that they will. Um, I look at point spreads, as you know, because I've referenced them every week. And it's open at four. It went up to five. I think it's back down to four. I have a hard time picking Notre Dame covering that. But if I... <laughs> I mean, if I pick a win by a small amount, it goes against your one and nine, which which I, get, I guess I'm looking at more like this. I can't 
I can't pick Notre Dame to cover the spread until they go on the road and do something like that. Once they do it, then I'll be inclined to make that pick. Now, I'm not definitely saying I'm going to go in that route, but I, <laughs> but I definitely, I mean, I, I do think that and Notre Dame's a better football team. I mentioned, I think they're a better football team. They're more experienced. I think they're better prepared to win this game, but it's at Michigan State. So I don't, I'm not sure where I'm going. I, I mean, I'm quite sure I'm going to pick Notre Dame to win the game. And those are all the things that I'm considering. I'm quite sure I'm going to pick Notre Dame to win the game uh, and more likely to, to take the points at Michigan State. You game. know what? As we wrap up segment one, the way that we're describing this game reminds me a little bit of when Notre Dame played at Michigan in, I think it was 2009? Yeah, it was 2009. I think it was the Tate-Forcier game. Okay. Like, Notre Dame was clearly, and I think in 2011, Notre Dame was clearly better on both lines, I think, in both of those games, but lost both of them. That's, I think, sort of my, one of my bits of, like, hesitancy to really as oh I feel confident about no, this as game it should be. Um, as just it like should be. the ability for Notre Dame to assert itself on both lines because um, I think that they have to do that to win the game and it's been it's been rare that that's happened I think it, it happened last week for sure and I think the the sort of complimentary football that Notre Dame played offensively and defensively was significant um, but to take that on on the real road, not the Boston College daytime road, the Michigan State night game road is that that would be a big step up. I'm still getting used to thinking about Notre Dame defense coached by Elko and how we thought of it before. You know, we've had three good examples of what a defensive coordinator can do for defense, and a lot of the stuff that you talked about in your extra points dealt with that. You know, their nickel defense is. I mean, it's it's better for a lot of reasons. Uh, one certainly is Elko. The other one is Crawford. Yeah. You know, and and uh, I, I said on the message board. I mean, it, it's I understand why uh, Van Gorder didn't have confidence in his nickel uh, coverage without Coleman or without uh, Crawford, but you gotta have one. <laughs> you gotta come up with. You gotta you you've gotta have one. You can't just stop using it. So you've got to find the next best thing to Sean Crawford at nickel, who right now is is a Julian Love. I don't even who who did they have working as their backup I mean, they rarely, nickel. They rarely played it, so it was, no. But I mean, like in preseason, oh, I, be, saw, I believe it was Julian. I think Love. it was Julian yeah. Love, but I mean, he doesn't have the flat out speed change of direction that that Crawford does. That's why Crawford doesn't play. I mean, why doesn't Crawford? play corner if he's so good well he's five nine and an eighth 176 pounds coming off the back-to-back season ending injuries it's more important that Sean Crawford plays 13 games at nickel than plays more snaps you know at corner and then you know is overtaxed and ends up getting hurt again they need him on the field for nickel yeah, and it's not a it's not a situation where he's barely I don't want people to think that Sean Crawford rarely plays he has played 84 snaps this year, um, and then Watkins has played 198, and Love has played 180. Okay. Well, when you hear it that two, way, I get the reaction. Yeah, yeah, but it, but it's not like he's it's not like Dexter Williams here. Um, Sean Crawford's playing real snaps, right? And he's a, he's a little guy, so having him in on first down run plays, although yeah. he is a solid tackler, is not nearly as essential. So I'm veering off into this segment, so we will. Uh, <laughs> That's a wrap. That's a wrap for segment one. We'll be back for segment two with questions from our readers. 
Irish Illustrated Insider is brought to you by Anderson, Augustino, and Keller, Attorneys at Law, with offices in South Bend, Indiana, serving the local community's legal needs with a diverse and innovative group of lawyers. Let their team be your edge on legal matters. Contact the lawyers at Anderson, Augustino, and Keller at 574-288-1510 or visit their webpage at aaklaw.com. Welcome back to Irish Illustrated Insider Segment 2. Questions first from Twitter, and the first one is from Nick Blashill, and he wants to know, do you think we might see a repeat of the 2013 game against Michigan State when Notre Dame basically limits the passing game to throwing fades and hitting everything outside the numbers? I think we could see some of that, but it, I, it's, I mean, it's a completely different animal on the back end of the Michigan State defense. That was a great Michigan State defensive backfield. Um, this is not. This is a very inexperienced one. I think you might want to. I mean, you. you I think you want to go downfield to test their safeties. Um, and and even their corners in in man coverage, but I don't think so. I, I I think that will be an aspect of it, but I think more than likely it's going to be the it's going to be a greater emphasis on the running game, a greater emphasis on the tight ends in the passing game, and maybe some wrinkles that we haven't seen up to this point with RPOs or jet more jet sweep type stuff. Well, God, I hope not. Because that game was awful. Yeah, that's a terrible um, way to watch four, a game. There are 474 yards of total offense in that game between the two teams. Yeah. Uh, but I think one of the... There are many reasons why I think Notre Dame won't go that route as much. One of them is obviously Brandon Wimbush. Um, but the other one is Josh Adams is your lead running back instead of Cam McDaniel. That's a pretty big upgrade. So... I think Notre Dame just has a lot more material to throw at that problem than they did four years ago when it was, yeah, Cam McDaniel, George Atkinson, Torian Fulston, well, and, who's and Amir your, And who's your quarterback? Well, and this box score says Thomas Reese. <laughs> well, Thomas <laughs> Thomas Reese can't run it like Brandon Wimbush. So. No, and it's like even though Notre Dame has been, is down at receiver right now, it, it's, it was still freshman Will Fuller who had one catch for 37 yards. T.J. Jones really got bottled up, two catches for 15 yards and a score. And the rest of that group just didn't really do anything. So I, But I think that goes more to the secondary of Michigan State than maybe what Notre Dame was throwing uh, out there at receiver and Michigan State secondary is way down. You know, I, I mean, you got to get the ball in St. Brown's hands some way. He's better off when he's running, you know, the intermediate routes that we, we talked about. But if you can't do that... You got to get the football in his hands somehow, some way. So maybe you bunch receivers to a side and let him duck underneath that. So he's got a little bit of interference running, uh, you know, for him on, on a quick little out to him. I don't know. I've kind of been. I, I've speculated every aspect of offense that I could think of since since Monday. So somewhere in between lies reality. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the the St. Brown. What you just brought up sort of leads into the next question. That's from Fighting Irish 17. He wants to know what we think of Alizé Mack through three games as he works his way back into the mix. I don't care about the first two games now. He, the only thing that matters is the last game, and he played well and he caught the football. The next step is be more physical after the catch. He wasn't right the first two games, but he was much better in the third game. So let's see. Let's pick up from there and see where he goes. I don't think he reverts. My point is I don't think he reverts back to game one and two at this point. But he has to be more physical, and that's one of many tight ends that they can get involved in this game. Yeah, I mean, it's worth noting the last two games, he's been targeted eight times and has seven catches. 
you know, St. Brown is the flip side of that. He's been targeted 16 times and has four catches. So it's a high, I mean, it's just it's a game of percentages, right? Yeah, and, absolutely. And, um, he's got to block better when he's in that position, too, because he didn't do a real good job of, of that against BC. All right, last Twitter question from Kay Covington, and he wants to know, does C.J. Sanders have Benjamin Button disease? The kid looked like a player as a freshman and is limited to only cameos, if that. Yeah, I, I, I don't have the specific answer to that other than, you know, why don't certain players play? Why don't receivers play? They don't run the routes at the right depth. Um, you know, they're not precise on what they need to do route-wise, not a good blocker, inconsistent pass catcher, although I don't know that we've necessarily seen any of that, but we hadn't seen Brandon Wimbush being inaccurate throwing the football either based upon practice. So, I mean, I, I, all I can just point to is some of the fundamental things that keep receivers off the field. Those are all good answers. Um, <laughs> and I think C.J. Sanders, he, I mean, you saw how far down he is the depth chart when he came into the game last week because it was at the very, very yeah. end. Uh, it wasn't, he was like basically the last receiver off the bench, um, which is not something I was expecting. From well, people him. say like, well, Brian Kelly plays favorites. Well, favorites are developed on the practice field. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So. There's, there's look, there's no way around that. Uh, I thought he would play more. He hasn't, I don't really know what to make of that at this point. I, I think I'm trying to scroll through my data here. I, I mean, he's played on passing plays this year. He's been in for one snap. One. Um, Unreal. So you think that a jet sweep, an end around, something. I mean, we're not, you know, and that's not, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's and that's not just Brian Kelly. That's Delvon Alexander. That's Chip Long, all yeah. contributing to that decision. I got to believe that's, that's more on the player than it is the coaching staff. Right. Yeah, I mean, what would I like to see him run most? Sort of a slip screen that Will Fuller did right. a good job, but Noreen doesn't run that play very yeah. well right now. So maybe that's part of it. Yeah, you know, we talk about intermediate routes and oh wow, we'll throw slants. Well, if a slant's off target, yikes, it's going to be tipped and picked. So, you know, those are you think you think of those as shorter routes, you know, and safer routes. But anything thrown over the field when your quarterback's in over the middle of the field. When your quarterback's inaccurate is uh, not good. Question from New One. I'd like to hear commentary on why Wimbush has been struggling throwing the football. Is it physical? The speed of the game too fast? So his mechanics get messed up? Is it psychological without the safety nut of the red jersey? Something else? Would love to hear some opinions on this. I don't think that the red jersey has anything to do with it. Um, I don't think being hit is throwing off his passing game. But I, I do think mechanically, and I'm not a quarterback coach, but you watch his delivery, you know, his base is a million different ways. So to me, it looks like he doesn't repeat the same throwing motion all the time. It's like, a, it's like my golf game. Like, I have a million different swings, and the ball goes a million different places. Uh, I, can't, I can't repeat one motion. I, when I watch him throw the ball, I don't feel like I'm watching a guy repeat one motion over and yeah. over again. That's why I think it's it's important to give him some more you know set drops and let him throw the let him get his feet set and throw. But I mean, many of the things that are mentioned here, you know how I am when it comes to it's not one thing; it's a lot of things. It's all those things. It's the speed of the game as it relates to the the passing game. Um, you know, it, it's mechanics. It's getting comfortable being the starter at this level 
on the road. It's, you know, having to be a, a large part of the running game. It's a lack of chemistry with your receivers. Everything that you can think of, I can't deny it. Other than I agree, it's not the red jersey thing. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think it's that. We've had some people on our message board ask, like, "Oh, is this the next Dane Christ?" Where I mean, you could just see it in his. <laughs> did face. Dane Chris, did Dane Chris run for two hundred seven yards and four touchdowns? No, I, I don't remember that. Game. Um, just the stress that you remember seeing on Chris's face. I get that. I don't see that. With I don't Wim see Bush. that with like Wim Bush I, against Georgia. I felt like he got beaten up. I don't think he was like, "Oh crap, I don't know what I'm doing." But so that's why I say the psychological part. I feel like he's fine. Like he's pretty even keel kid. Now Chris off the field was a very even keel guy too. But um, I just think that Wimbush is handling it okay. It's just more of the mechanics and the it's the physical, not the mental, to me. I think, I mean, I think part of it's mental. I sure. Mean, whatever aspect of that is. I mean, I saw a comparison to is the Gary Godsey. What in, what? <laughs> How? <laughs> that they're quarterbacks? Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I think the comparison is he's, you know, not a good thrower. And so that's a, but, the, the, I, you know, the position on the college level is, is all encompassing. And it's not just, thank God it's not just throwing. Yeah. There's there's more to it than that. I mean, the threat of Brandon Wimbush as a runner is is significant and value invaluable, especially in the yeah. zone zone option. I think one of my bigger surprises with that, how things have developed, is people know how much of a threat he is. Like, wouldn't you just overload the box entirely? And at that point, wouldn't you have like a receiver running wide open? Yeah, like, you would think. But and and there are also ways to get. Josh Adams, yeah, free within you know when a defense is overplaying the quarterback in in zone option. So, hey, it's if it were easy, everybody could do it. It's going to take a little time. I'm not of the the group that says he'll never get there. I'm not I'm not smart enough to look at what he's done in a handful of games and say no, he'll never get there. Hell, he's too he's too athletic. I think just to write him off at this point and. We saw too much accuracy on the practice field. Right. To, that that wasn't an accident. So that's I think, why. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's why I think there, there's a mental part to it. If he's if he's way, tied in with mechanics, if he's way off, he's just not settled in yet. We've seen how he can throw the football. Yeah, because I think the perception of what we saw in August now is like you guys don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Whereas really, what it should be is like we've we've seen it happen before, so that means it can happen again. Um, that what we saw in August is actually a positive opposed to like yeah. misrepresentative evidence. Well, if if you don't think that we know what we're talking about, then there's I, no way we, you've made it to this far in this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That sounds better than what I was okay. going to say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> WCarry14, do you think that the Notre Dame staff will possibly script some Wimbush friendly throws? Brian Kelly mentioned that Wimbush loves that corner route early in the game. To see if the passing game can set the tone early. Yeah, that's why I think, and I, I think I saw this on the message board, so I don't want to take full credit for it. But bu- you know, bunch of set to one side, and let an, an EQ, for example, duck underneath and, t- and take a throw, and have a, a couple guys out there leading the way. That's why I think RPOs, where you have a man set up to lead the way, and it's just a quick little side throw a 15 mm-hmm. 17 yard throw 
with some lead blockers in front, and we, you know, ad nauseum. Tight ends, tight ends, tight ends, tight ends. Yeah, I'll say there's one set that, as I watched the Boston College game, I was like, wow, they really do this a lot. You'll have Alize Mack sort of in the backfield a little bit, and then Wimbush will boot. In like a wing position. Yeah, or boot or roll away from Mack, but Mack will sort of follow him across the formation. It's an easy five-yard throw. They must have hit it three you times. You can shovel it. Yeah, BC eventually was like, uh, we'll just put a guy in front of him. But at that point, EQ is running a similar route, 10, 15 yards, whatever, deeper. That's the throw that Wimbush then needs to be yeah. able to hit. I guarantee you, veering off, I guarantee you we're going to see four times minimum of you know Michigan State sending the guy in motion. And they, they throw the little pitch little in front of him, so if he drops it, it's incomplete. Oh, right, yeah. You know, and they've one. got a really speedy guy to do that. But a lot in that same vein, yeah. I mean, motion, motion him back toward to Wimbush, and I don't care how you want to get it to him. Just get it to him in, in a short amount of space. Uh, where are we at? Mr. Jack Coffee. Beyond his knowledge of Notre Dame, note did not play under Long's playbook. Do you think Tom Reese, Tommy Reese? Is qualified to be a quarterback coach at a top tier institution like Notre Dame. You know, it's a it's a fair question, um, and I think in normal times the answer would probably be no. Um, but with the tenth assistants and the desire to hire somebody, the setup with the staff where you really have Long and Kelly as quarterback coach one and two, and then Reese being number three, I understand why they did it. Um, but would would Ohio State hire Tom Reese to be quarterback coach next year with no connections there, no understanding? Probably not. Um, at Notre Dame, I mean, you've seen over the years historically, whether it be Autry Denson or Mike Haywood or Todd Light, um, they'll, they've placed value in an understanding of how Notre Dame works. Um, as a recruiter, as a coach, just as a sounding board for the players, Um I also think that Reese, as he did when he was a player, is taking way... He shouldn't really barely take any of the blame for what's happened with Wimbush over three games because Mike Sanford coached Wimbush for two years. And it's not like he Sanford was just like, oh, everything's fine. Like, just do whatever you want to do. Like, they had a really close connection. Um, so it's not like Wimbush is just now getting coaching. I do think it's a fair question under the circumstances, but I do think that he's qualified. I, you know... When when Tommy Reese was a quarterback at Notre Dame, there's a lot of things you could say about him. Very few of them good pertaining to athleticism. But in terms of knowledge of the system, knowledge of what he was seeing at the line of scrimmage, he was way advanced. He's the son of a coach. And Tommy Reese, I mean, that's what made him successful, at least statistically. He put up good good stats at Notre Dame because of his knowledge of the game. So... I do think he's qualified. I know he's only 24 years old, and that's why, I mean, it is a fair question. And I agree with you that I don't think, you know, I think maybe it's a little misunderstood what the role of the quarterback coach is, especially with him being 24 years old and having Kelly, the you know, the the guy that's always worked with quarterbacks, and Chip Long as, as the coordinator. Uh, he's more... He's more the point man for the quarterback, more the, the guy that he can go to and say, hey, you know, I, I didn't understand this. Why, you know, because Kelly and Long have to go on to the next play and coach mm-hmm. the next play in practice. So, I mean, I, I I get it, and 
no, Alabama wouldn't do something like this, but Notre Dame's not Alabama anywhere close in terms of where their program is, so I get that. I mean, one thing, and this is, I asked Brian Kelly a little bit about this, I think last Thursday about watching film, so it's something I want to write about, just the time investment guys make. Right. And you mentioned quarterbacks really need structure for film viewing. Who better or, than time? Yeah, that's what I'm saying, like... <laughs> Like, there's nobody that you would rather have Brandon Wimbush watch film with than Tom, than Tom I, Reese there. You I'm, know, in terms of understanding protections, where blitzes are coming from, who better than Tommy Reese? I mean, he got sacked eight, nine times, couldn't move. Um, you know, why is why was Notre Dame's best pass pro the team with the least athletic quarterback? Is because that guy knew where everything was coming from, and that's a big jump Brandon Wimbush still I, needs to make. I, I thought it was a good hire at the time, and I stand by it for better or worse. ZC727, do you feel guy do you guys feel that this game falls into the big game category with Kelly's recent issues with big games being well known? Do you feel a blowout win in this game would change that narrative at all? Let's see, how can I express this? Is it a big game? Yeah. <laughs> it's a really big game. It is a really, really big game for Brian Kelly in Notre Dame. If you lose, you're two and two. Even if you win the next two, you're only four and two. Even if you beat USC, you've got to kind of like make up for that loss earlier in the year against a team that is just not very experienced. It's huge. It's significant. If they win by double digits, which again, I will say, I think that they can do that. It's a huge step forward. A very, very pivotal game to the entire season and perhaps even Brian Kelly long term. I agree with all that. I think if they win by double digits, it is a lock that they will be five and one when USC comes here. I mean, I'd mark it down. That's that would be a playing well on the road, changing the entire narrative of what's going on around Notre Dame football. So, Tim JG one nine eight seven. Before the season, staff felt that I, I, Irish Illustrated staff felt that safety and defensive tackle were the weakest position groups. After three games. What do you think are now the team's strongest and weakest position groups? Um, That's an interesting question. I, I still think that safety is a weak position group, and I still think that defensive tackle is a weak position group, which is different than saying it's a sieve or it's a disaster or there's no way they can play a good defense. Both those positions have been surprisingly good. I think that if there was a position group that maybe I overrated or under... Well, I'll say I underrated those positions about how good they were, but I still don't think they're better than like linebacker or cornerback or defensive end. Wide receiver I was skeptical about before the season started, probably more than just about everybody. That still has been a surprise for me about how poorly well, how it's poor. played. Okay. Um, and then I would say overall tight end I think has been good. Um, I guess I have a hard time getting a read of like what they want that position to do yeah. and be and all those kinds of well, things. A, there are... There are a lot of facets to it, no doubt about it. Well, let me, uh, you know, I think defensive tackle has come together. This isn't the exact question, but defensive tackle has come to be- together uh, better than safety has because they can play four guys. Whereas at safety, I mean, I feel pretty good about the progress that Studstill's making and mm-hmm. Coleman are making. But beyond that, I, I don't think anybody feels good about Jalen Elliott being on the field right now. And Isaiah Robertson really hasn't been put in that position. Yeah, no, I agree with all that. It's like the, I I would say that Myron Tagovailoa, Amosa, and Kurt Heinisch have been real surprises for me because I I thought they would just be be like the basketball equivalent of a guy you put in to just pick up a foul. Yeah, um, and they've they've been productive. I mean, 
Myron in particular has had uh, last week of the fourth down stop, got penetration. And it was obvious enough to everybody that multiple veteran guys mentioned him by name yeah. without being asked during yeah. the week, like, hey, this guy's really good. So that's some of the younger guys have impressed me more um, than I was expecting. And I, and I agree with you on Sudsill. I think he's improved a lot. Coleman is, you know, Coleman, I think, fit into the category of, uh, okay, great spring practice. We'll see. Well, we've seen. He's been really good. Warning sign. They haven't faced a great quarterback yet. Yeah. I mean, they, 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 they haven't. Yeah, they, they, re- they really haven't. They haven't been challenged. I think, you know, what's the best unit? I think there's been inconsistency with the linebacker play, but all three have played well at, you know, very well at times, I think. I Martini, you know, Coney's played the best, I think, and and played the most consistent. I'm not sure what the coaching, how the coaching staff feels about that. Maybe it's maybe Niles Morgan would be there, but I think Niles Morgan's been a little inconsistent. I, I, I'm not. There isn't any unit right now where I'm saying, "Wow, this unit is great." Um, running back, I guess, has been very, very productive, and certainly when you know, I mean, in two of the three games, the offensive line was destroying the opposition over the course of four quarters. Yeah, well, we will learn a lot Saturday night at Michigan State as the competition ramps back up, maybe not to a Georgia level, but certainly superior to Temple and Boston College, and we will be there for pregame instant analysis before the game, postgame instant analysis, grades, columns, game stories, features, all that good stuff. Uh, You can catch it all on irishillustrated.com, and we will talk to you next week, Monday, as we return to a regularly scheduled program with Tim O'Malley, Tim Priester, and Pete Sampson for our next Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.